2024 is a year for more. God has got more for us. We are not living in the fullness of what God has for us. And God wants us to experience more of Him. He wants to increase our influence in our city. He wants to increase our influence as people of God. He wants to increase our impact. The way that we impact the city, the way that we impact people's lives. God wants to increase. Are you guys ready to increase? That sounds a little bit better. I, I realize every time we send the youth out, the, the half the room almost leaves, which is amazing for me. I just love the fact that we have so many young people, uh, part of our church. I just want to take this moment to also just welcome those of you that are watching us online. Um, I want to encourage you, you, those of us that are in the room as well, to share just the messages. I think it, it's really helpful, and we're trusting that it will be a blessing to you there as well. Now, friends, we are continuing our journey through um, the book of Acts, looking at this theme of increase. And today we're going to be looking at the, this very powerful thing of receiving boldness to be a witness. Now, I don't know about you guys, but what I have found, I've been a, a Christian now for many, many years, and probably the number one thing that I struggle with the most is being able to share my faith with other people. And yet, it's the number one thing that Jesus tells us to do. He doesn't tell us to build churches. He doesn't even tell us to go on outreaches, to, to build buildings, to, to start schools, to take care of orphans and widows. He tells us to do all of those things. But the number one thing he says we must do is we should preach the gospel. We should proclaim the gospel. We should be sharing our faith with others. But I realize that it takes courage to be able to do that. Am I right? Am I, am I right? You, I don't know if you're like me, but that's something I struggle with. And if we look through the pages of the Bible, we see often, especially in the book of Acts, we feel like, oh, man, look at all these amazing things that happen. These guys are just full of boldness and power. And, they, you know, Peter comes down the, the street and his shadow heals people. And at every turn, just about every page you turn, you're like, oh, wow, another person gets healed. Another. And then 3,000 were added. And then 5,000 were added. And then it says, day by day, God was adding to the church those who were being saved. And I'm like, but Lord, that's not my reality. That's not something I experienced. But what I can see, and when, when you and I do take a bit of a closer look, is that our journey is not very much different to the journey of the disciples of the early church. They too struggled to have the courage to um, share their faith. That's why our key passage that we're going to be looking at today is found in Acts chapter 4. And... Um, the disciples actually come together and they actually pray. They say, Lord, give us boldness that we would be able to proclaim. We see how, you know, Peter and John, they, they are, are used by God in a, a very significant way. And, and yet, you know, they, they needed to ask for boldness. And they needed to receive again the Holy Spirit that we would be witnesses. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus um, says to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you have been endowed, you have received power to be my witnesses. That witness, that word witness means martyr, the one that would proclaim, it's messenger, somebody that is willing to, to at any cost, share their faith with others. And so I want to encourage you, maybe give you a little bit of hope. On the one hand, yes, it is a command. It is something that we have to contend for. It is something that we have to do. It is something that we have to engage in. But I also want to give you some very practical handles 
I'm hoping that when we finish today, you and I will walk away saying, Lord, I thank God I've got some tools. I've got something I can do because the Holy Spirit is going to empower us. But we're also going to take some intentional steps uh, to be able to do that. Are you guys ready to go on that journey with me? Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power and your presence here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that even as I speak, we, none of us would hear, oh, another thing I'm not doing. Another thing I'm not getting right. But all of us would hear our need and, and de- dependence on you, but also your answer, that you would pour out your spirit on us, Lord. That you would grant your servants that are gathered here today boldness to proclaim this message of the gospel to the ends of the earth, Lord Jesus. Whether we send people to Helsinki or we, whether we send people to Mozambique, whether we've sent people down to our local spa or our workplaces, wherever we would go, Lord, we would be carriers of your presence, carriers of this message that we would proclaim it with boldness. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd empower us, not in our own strength, but in the strength that you provide so graciously. So friends, if we look at what happened in in, in Acts chapter 3 and 4, and this is something you're going to be studying in your life group as well. You're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4 specifically. But I want to ask you, do you start your day with an expectation that God is going to take your ordinary day? You know that day. Many of you can, you know what Monday is going to be like, you know? Going to wake up, maybe at this particular time, if you, if you like me, Mondays are, I, I usually take a little bit slower. I take a while to get going. You know, and I have to really crank the engine to get going. My kids also, I'm like, come, no, come, no, come, come, come. We've got to get ready. We've got to get going. Do you think that God can use your ordinary day, your ordinary work, your ordinary family life, just the schedule that you go through to do something extraordinary? Do you have an expectation that God would break into your ordinary life and ordinary day to do something extraordinary? You see, Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 They start their day like that. They're on their way to the hour of prayer. We just heard in our announcements about coming to prayer meeting on a Tuesday night. There's a gathering of prayer, prayer in our life groups, prayer when we come together on Sundays. And as they were on their way to prayer, they meet a man who is asking them for money, but they realize that giving somebody a bigger money is just an ordinary thing. That's what everybody does. But God does something extraordinary because they realize that they carry within them the presence and the power of God. And in obedience to him, Peter looks at the man and says to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. Many of us today, we say, well, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough of a platform. You know, if I get to this platform here that Gareth is standing on, then I'll be able to proclaim the gospel. But actually, my life every single day is an opportunity for God to do something extraordinary. And so they proclaim this. And and this I want you to see, friends, just a chapter or two before, we see that for Peter and John, they had been gathered in the upper room. And they were praying. They were seeking God, waiting on God. Jesus said, wait, so they're waiting. The Holy Spirit breaks into this room like a mighty rushing wind. And it says that tongues of fire rested upon each of these people. But Peter and John are not finding themselves in chapter 3 with light bulbs. <laughs> on top of, you've got a bad idea. No, they don't have flames of fire on their heads anymore. That flame has now moved from the, the top of their heads as an external 
um, sign of God's presence upon them, and that's now moved into their hearts. And that's what happens to us, friends. Each of us in our lives, I want you to see, you, we and I have encounters with God, and often we think because that encounter seems to have diminished, it's not as evident. I don't feel the goosebumps. I don't see, I don't feel that like, oh, God is in this place. So therefore, God is far away, but actually, no, God has made his home inside of us. And it's because, it is from that place, it's because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we can begin to see the extraordinary unfold in our lives, friends. I, I want you to see the power of, of God's presence. But Peter and John were not always that open and excited to share their faith. If you know about Peter's story, he denied Jesus three times. All of the disciples scattered. All of them ran away. We see that John was there with Mary and some of the other um, ladies at the cross, and, and Jesus speaks to John and says to him, this is your, new, your mother, take care of her. So John was at least sort of in the vicinity, and, and the disciples would have seen it, but, but they hadn't made themselves known as saying, excuse me, I just want you to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm part of the way. But yet, a few weeks later, they get endowed with the Holy Spirit. They begin to proclaim. They begin to walk in this powerful lifestyle. But yes, you and I need to see that, that they experience some of the exact same things that you and I experience. And I'm trusting that as we open up God's word together, that you and I will be able to see ourselves in the scripture, but also be able to take hold of some very practical things that God would want to reveal to us. So if we look at Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 31, it says, this is the disciples. So they, Peter and John have been persecuted. They've been put in prison. They've been whipped. They've been told, don't preach this gospel. They come back into um, the, the fellowship of believers, kind of getting together there, and probably in somebody's home. And they're saying, what a privilege that we could suffer for the Lord. What a privilege that we would be inconvenienced, inconvenienced for the gospel. And then the disciples are going, your Lord, these guys are threatening us. They're not just threatening us, they are actually taking action against us. And this is their prayer. It says now, this is their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, friends, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Friends, I want to just touch on a few quick things from this passage, and then I'm going to look at some very practical things that you and I can apply in our lives. The first thing you and I need to settle in our hearts is that threats and oppositions is part of for the course. It's just part of life, walking with God. Satan does not want people to come to know God. And my sinful flesh does not want to yield to the desire that I have deep inside of me. Every person has this desire to know God. And so those two things are at war within them. And you and I stepping forward and saying, I want to share with you life-saving message. Something that's going to transform your life. There will be opposition. So just settle that in your heart. And if you and I could just not take it personally, sometimes I feel like it. 
I feel like I step forward with a family member and I, and I put myself out there and they, it's like crickets, you know. Crick, 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 nothing's happening. Actually, in other times, they like tell me, listen, push off. Fusek. <laughs> and it's not easy to hear that. It's not easy to receive that when I'm in that place. But I shouldn't take it personally. Because if they crucify Jesus, put him to death for the message of the cross and the gospel of Jesus and God's plan for reconciliation between him and man, then surely, my friends, a little bit of a foot sack is a bit better than a cross. And so you and I need to settle that there will be opposition. Secondly, you and I need to realize and know that our first response to opposition should be, not be, let's launch a manifesto. Sorry, I'm in the, I'm in the wrong, wrong place at the moment. So many manifestos are being launched at the moment. Let's, let's, call, let's bring together a movement. Let's start a Facebook page. Let's get some TikTok videos going. Let's go viral to tell people about how badly we're being treated. Our rights are being infringed upon as Christians. No, that shouldn't be our first response, friends. Their first response wasn't, I think we should go, let's write a letter to Rome. Let's get some guys, let's get some politicking going. Let's get some guys, I mean, we're a lot of people. We're 5,000, we're 8,000. Surely we could, we could shake the city a little bit. No, 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 friends. Their first response is to do what? They prayed. Friends, if you are experiencing resistance in your ability to witness and your ability to, to be able to get across the message of Christ, your first point of call should be prayer. I want to ask you, who are you praying for right now? That family member, that colleague, that boss, that person that you've been interacting with regularly, are you praying for them? Or are you just saying, yes, thank God I don't have to interact with them too much. I'm going to avoid them a little bit more because it's uncomfortable. They're actually treating me badly because of that. Last year, actually two years ago, we did a whole thing where I gave everybody in the congregation a, a little light bulb, reminding them, I, I've got it on my coffee maker. Every single morning when I make, make coffee, I'm thinking, Lord, this light bulb's not shining. Who's, who is not connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. I've got a list, six or seven people I'm praying for on an ongoing basis, friends. Because what I found is, and I'm hearing testimonies of this all the time, friends and family members are praying for their loved ones that, that don't know Jesus. And then they begin to tell them about, you know what? I've been at work and I noticed this one colleague of mine, she's always singing. There's always some present worship thing happening. Someone else is like, man, I'm, they offered to pray for me. And actually, you know, I felt better after they prayed for me. But, you know, I don't believe in this thing, you know, but I, 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 I like this is, God, when we pray, God moves in the hearts of men. I remember the story of um, Pete Gregg. He, he started this 24-hour prayer room in their church. He said it was very easy. He just needed to get 24 people to pray one hour a day, and it was done, you know? And so he started this, this prayer room. It's like in a basement somewhere uh, at a building, and he says one night he's there, and, and, he, and he finds himself with another person in the, in, the, in the prayer room, and they actually tell him that they're an atheist. They don't believe in God. And he says, you know, this is, this is London, England, so he says this guy's sitting there, and he's like, whoa, man. Like, you can really feel God in here. 
And Pete's like, but you don't believe in God, do you? No. But you can really feel him in here. <laughs> Friends, prayer is powerful. And for the disciples, they prayed. They prayed for the lost, they prayed for the city, and they prayed for boldness. If you're struggling to share your faith, pray and ask God to grant you boldness. Thirdly, friends, is they asked to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because our lives are marked by, or should be marked by, the manifestations of the power of God in our lives. Does that mean that we walk on water every day? Does that mean every time I walk and my shadow falls on somebody, they get healed? If I, if I pray over a, a hanky, as happened with Paul, and they send it off to somebody, does that, does that happen all the time? I, I think it should happen as the Holy Spirit leads, but we should be trusting God, and we should live with this re reality that when I am in the company of somebody that's sick, as Peter and John experienced, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you. In every circumstance, in every situation, we have the power of God at work because it says these signs will follow those who believe. Paul says when we proclaim the gospel, he didn't just proclaim it with words, but also with demonstrations of God's power. And sometimes, friends, the power of God at work in you is just the fact that you have the courage. God gives you the courage to share and not stay silent. Other times, it is literally raising the dead or seeing the lame walk. And so we need to trust God for that. But friends, another aspect that's so important for me to see is that when they pray, they say that you would continue, Lord, to do these mighty works in the name of your son and servant, Jesus. If Jesus isn't at the center of my life and my relationship with Jesus isn't vibrant, if that's not the most important person, if that's not the person you spend time with in the morning and that you're communing with on a daily basis, then I, I want to just tell you that you're not going to see people saved regularly in your life. Now, many of you are going, Gareth, yeah, oh, yes, Gareth, that's me. I, I'm, I'm, I get up in the morning, I'm, un, I'm doing my thing, I'm forgetting about Jesus. And that shouldn't be an indictment. That shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. All you need to do is engage with the relationship. If you're a, a husband and a wife and your marriage is taking strain, you don't just go like, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough now. We, we're smart. It's just how it is. It's tough. No, what do you do? You work at it. You decide we're going to have a date night and we're going to maybe go for some counseling. We're going to do some things that's going to help us to improve our relationship. And so if you feel your relationship with God isn't where it needs to be, I want to encourage you, you can improve your relationship. But it's all about Jesus. He's at the center of their lives. And this is the testimony that the disciples carried. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, that includes actually all of us. Some of us, might, you might have a PhD. And you, you know, there's, the guys in Poch, there's lots of PhDs there. Lots of master's people there. But I know Clarkstorp, there's not a lot of us that are like that. Okay, we, we're salt of the earth, you know, people. We get stuff done. We don't just think about it, we get stuff done. <laughs> so even if you're ordinary, 
if you, even if you feel you're common, this is the testimony that you and I should be carrying. They were astonished. Why were they astonished? As they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That is the key towards greater fruitfulness in sharing your faith with others. Being with Jesus on an ongoing basis. The Holy Spirit then would give us again, and I, this is my prayer, friends. I pray, I just want to even do that right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you grant your servants boldness to proclaim this gospel. Lord, that we would lay down our rights, lay down our comfort, that out of the overflow of our relationship with you, our love and adoration for you, that we would respond, Lord, to your leading. We would be a people that are marked by your presence, marked as people that have been with Jesus every single day of the, our lives, Lord. I pray for devotional times to, to just unlock like never before. I pray, Father, for people to find themselves in, in your word in, in such a way that they just, I can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm devouring it every single day, that as we gather together, as we fellowship together, as we are in one another's lives together, that we would sharpen one another, we would encourage one another towards love and good deeds. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you empower us, Lord. We need you. We need you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, friends, I want to go get really practical, because that's, that's really the question I was asking. I was like, Gareth is good. Lord Jesus is nice that I know I, I've got you, but what do I do tomorrow morning? What do I do tonight or today when I leave here? What can I do? Now, many of you might not know about the Barna Institute, but the Barna Institute, they, they basically survey and do research uh, uh, around the, in the Christian world specifically around how people do around church growth and spiritual um, development, and, and especially this one question they asked, when it comes to sharing our faith, because like I said in the beginning, this is probably the one thing that we struggle with the most. And I'm trusting as I share with you that you and I'll be able to do it a little bit more, actually know a whole lot more as we go through. So Barna Institute says that one of the most, well, the first thing you and I need to realize is that if you decide tomorrow to share your faith with somebody, I want to just set your heart at ease that there is a strong likelihood that it's not going to go that well. You might not hit the ball out the park. Maybe you will. But if I look at the, the, the disciples in the book of Acts, they didn't always hit the ball out the park. Many times they were flogged. People didn't listen to them. They chucked them out of cities. They, they didn't like it. But then they returned and God continued. They continued to speak. Paul gets up from, you know, I don't know, they thought he was dead, gets up, goes back into the city, and he's like, oh, man, telling them some more. And I'm like, yes, Lord Jesus, help me. So it might not go that well. But there are three things that they say or three ways that we can share our faith that's really effective. This is what most people do. The first way and most common way and effective way is to share your faith with someone by offering to pray for them when they find themselves in crisis. Oh, I've just had a bad report of my health or finances have come. There's a relational breakdown. Um, I've just heard about a family member that's, that's you know, ill. Offer to pray for those you have in your life. Many of us see that all the time. I, I see the, the fruit of these, these times when people are like, yes, man, my whole church is praying for you. Why are they praying for you? Like, they don't know me. Exactly. But they love you. And then when the breakthrough comes, people are like, wow, they open up their hearts to God. 
The second way that you and I uh, can, you know, most common way is, is through lifestyle evangelism. The way that we treat people and live our lives causes people to ask, what's up with you? Why are you like this? Why do you treat people this way? Why don't you pray bribes? Why don't you um, seek opportunities to get back at people? Why don't you take advantage of people and your workers? Why do you pay them good wages? Because, or why do you stay late when everybody else is like checking the clock? How quickly, oh, we're out of here. But now I'm doing my due diligence. I'm a good employee. I'm a good employer. Why do you do that? No, it's because of my faith, Jesus. So that's an opportunity to then speak your faith. And then lastly is to, sometimes what's needed is to just begin to ask some questions. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you act the way that you act? Sometimes people don't like that question because they haven't taken the time to think. Because I've seen people, you know, they, they, they're stuck in this rut. They're in this pain, cycle of pain happening over and over. And all that they need is for somebody to ask them, is it working for you? No, it's not working for me. So maybe can I suggest an alternative? Could I show you some other way of living? Because God has got more for you. And so John Maxwell, I learned this from him. He's, he's got five intentional things he recommends for us to do when we're sharing our faith. And I want you to just see Jesus in the beginning of his ministry at the Beatitude Sermon on the Mount. We see him talking about that we are the light of the world. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt, to bring out the God flavors of this world. There's another way of doing you, You're called to be light so that you can bring out the God colors of this world. Because if you live in this way, people will begin to open their hearts to hear from you. They'll open their hearts towards God, this generous Father. Friends, we are called to be salt and light. We're called to permeate every part of our lives. So that's what he says in the beginning of his ministry. And so that means, friends, that you and I, first thing that you and I need to realize is that God wants us to be attractive, to show your faith. Look for opportunities. You know, salt makes things taste better. Light makes things brighter. So in every space of your life, you and I are supposed to step into that, not as somebody that's being influenced, but somebody that influences, someone that transforms and changes the environment that we find ourselves in. No longer just being a product of our circumstance, but actually making a difference and making a change. The last thing that Jesus says in the last few moments with his disciples, of all the things he would say to them, he brings back that same theme again. And he says this, I love the way Eugene Peterson says this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, and Jesus undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. You, you shouldn't think this is oh, those 12 disciples that were with him. No, you, you and me, all of us. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this day after day after day right up to the end of the age. What a promise, friends. Jesus doesn't send us out and say, okay, cool, let me know how it went. He's like, no, I'm going with you. So when you're standing in front of your colleague and family member and you're feeling like 
in your boots there, you're like, I don't know how this is going to go. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Jesus is with you, and you can draw from him in those circumstances. I love the way that the, the Gospel of Mark puts it. He says, then he said, go into the world, go everywhere, and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved. Whoever refuses to believe is damned. Friends, if you're here today and you haven't accepted this invitation of God to have a relationship with Him, I want you to understand the weight of that decision. It's eternal. It's not temporary. And towards the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Him. Because Jesus loves you. He cares for you and He has got more for you. And I want to encourage you to come on this journey, to be filled with Him to enjoy the life that he would want to give you. So we want to be attractive. We want to show our faith, but we also want to be active. We want to be active in sharing our faith. And I, I think this is so important, friends. We are called to go where? Everywhere. To speak to who? To everyone. And so many times we forget that that's God's desire for all of us, is to know him to love Him and to enjoy Him. And so we want to take these five intentional steps every single day. I want to share them with you quickly. The first one is that you have to intentionally, intentionally, I want to just put that, I want to stress that. It takes intentionality. You don't have a good marriage without being intentional about it. You don't have good finances without being intentional about it. You don't have a good health without being intentional about what you allow into your life. In the same way, friends, we will not share our faith if we're not intentional about it. The first one is intentionally value people and love them unconditionally. You can tell if you value people by how you treat them. And when Jesus says we should love them unconditionally, in, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 22, we, we, he says he gives us this command, love God and love people. That's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God, but also love your neighbor as yourself. Your Who's my neighbor? You don't never ever speak up about, hey, no, 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 wait a minute. You can't treat people like that. You can't. This is not right. We should be speaking up, but we should love them enough to share with them our faith, but also love them enough to realize that they're on a journey just like we are and allowing them the space. Secondly, we should intentionally enter their world. Enter their world. You are the connecting link between people and Jesus. I want you to see this, friends. You know, 40 times in the gospel, we see instances where Jesus encounters people and he heals them. He sets them free. But 34 times, that's 85% of the time, when Jesus encountered somebody and transformed their life, you know what was the thing that, that marked that moment? Either someone went and fetched Jesus and brought Jesus to the person, or they went and fetched the person and brought the person to Jesus. You and I are called to be that link to bring people to Jesus. How would they know unless they are told? How would they be transformed unless someone proclaims to them? You and I don't have to, in the first five minutes of our conversation, share our faith. We should first start maybe valuing the person, loving them, finding out about them, and then stepping into their life. Sorry, I moved to the wrong page, this side. 
I love this, the parable of the, of, of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Luke chapter 15. Last year, our theme was called out. Being called out to be followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. Fishers of men. And one of the key things I shared with us is that if you look at that parable, God's heart is always towards that which is lost. That is where God's heart is. That's what God, who God is seeking to find. And in all three of these things, I want you to see this. It's beautiful. The lost coin, and this represents people, friends. The coin is lost, and he doesn't know he's lost. You've got friends and family members. They are lost. They are they're heathens. They're far from God. They don't even know it. And they need to be, someone needs to go and fetch them, go and find, sweep the house, be willing to go the extra mile to bring them into back to the father the sheep he knows he's lost but he doesn't know how to get back to the shepherd the shepherd has to go and fetch him to find him friends you and i have got some friends they know yes they they know yes i'm lost but what do i have to do now let me introduce you to the shepherd jesus he, he loves you he cares for you he lays down his life for you come and into a relationship with him but then we are many there are many many friends i know many of these people they are like the sun they know they lost, and they also know how to get back to the Father. And that's when we need to pray that they would come to their senses, that they would understand, man, oh God, I need you. I need to come back to you. I need to come into your presence again. And we should sometimes encourage them. Some of your backslidden friends, those friends that you used to sit here with you, they're not in the room anymore. They're not in light group anymore. They're not making a difference. They're not in a mission with Jesus anymore. Maybe you should sort out a coffee with them and say, my friend, where you been? Pull yourself towards yourself <laughs> and get over it. No, but the church hurt me and this is this thing and I can't understand this. And, but you know, my life is busy. No, 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 no. Get back to the Father. Be the missing link. They need me and they need you in order to connect with Jesus. I love what Paul says in, in terms of entering people's lives. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23, but, but I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it god is seeking and saving the lost we can be in on it but it requires of us to lay down our lives to become winsome before him you and i there's wisdom that happens god endows us with wisdom and ability to be able to answer some of those questions that people have many times i feel like i yes so i share my faith and they ask me and they've got some other you know way of saying no but what about this what about that you know then I usually just say, yes, okay, I don't know, but I'll come back to you. And then I go and I go read the scriptures and I find, oh, this is what the, the Bible says. I go and speak to other friends and family members in the church and, and they encourage me. And then I go back to the person and say to them, listen, I just want to share with you, this is, what, what, this is the truth. Friends, when we enter people's worlds, God empowers us and he gives us wisdom. Proverbs chapter 11 verse um, 30 in the New King James, I love the way it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. You and I should be a tree of life. Then it continues, and he who wins souls is wise. 
God wants us to increase in wisdom, but it's going to require of us. The more we do it, the easier it becomes to respond to people who we may bring, God may bring into our lives. The third one, we need to add value to them. Intentionally add value to people. Not just value people, but actually add value to them. And last time I checked, I will not add value to someone if I don't value them. Ah, they don't deserve my time. They're on their own mission. I'm not going to... Can you and I look for opportunities to add value to people's lives? Because as we do that, we're sharing our faith. I loved what um, Billy Graham said you know, to John Maxwell. He, they were having this discussion about evangelism and leadership. And Billy Graham said the following. He says, don't let anything... This is towards the end of his life. He says, don't let anything that you do or say shut the door and keep people from knowing God. Don't let anything... And I've had those moments. I've gotten upset. And then I throw my toys, and I'm like, ah, and then afterwards I've got to go back and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then I've had family members and friends go to me, yes, I would never have said sorry. Why did you say sorry? Then you can share your faith, because Jesus forgave me, and I want, to, I want to be forgiven, and I want to extend forgiveness as well. John Maxwell says, do everything that will open the door to the gospel. Every moment of your life. Look out for those opportunities and ask the Holy Spirit to make you aware of those places and times. Fourthly, make them hungry to know God. Make them hungry. You know, in the heart of each person, there's a desire to know God, actually. And when I've spent time with people that are passionately in love with Jesus, I somehow feel like I want to be more in love with Jesus too. Am I right? Doesn't that happen? We stir one another up. That's why we go to light group and we're part of a community, because we stir one another up in our faith. I'm like, yes, man, I'm, uh, this person, they, they're talking to about what, what God's been saying to them and their love for Jesus, and I feel like I want to have that too. Let me be with them. But we can stir and make people hungry for God. Salt makes you thirsty. Can you and I make some people thirsty? When they look at our lives, they go, yeah, man, I need what you've got. And so many Christians I know, their lives are falling apart. And I'm like, please don't follow that person's example. But I'm saved and I'm going on, to, on my way to heaven. Why is that, friends? Because we fail to apply what the Bible says. We fail, we, we don't come into community. We don't allow people into our lives. We don't allow God's word to transform our lives. We come in, we sit in a row, we hear a nice thing. Thank you very much. And, and just like when the seeds are sown, the birds come and they Steal it. The enemy steals it. The cares of life chokes it out of your life. But we should cultivate good soil in our hearts, allowing God to transform our lives so that we would, you know, we should carry the fruit of the Spirit, friends. You know, if someone has patience and love and joy and kindness and gentleness and self-control, those things are like in short supply last time I checked in the world that we live in. And if you and I can walk in that way, people will go, sure, there's something different about you. Make people hungry for what you have. And lastly, believe, and this is, I'm going to say this again, you have to believe that everyone wants to know God. So often, I encounter somebody and I go, you know, they look really good, especially if I visit, like, go to America, visit Mark. And Marie, and I'm like, yes, these people, they've got money, you know, everything's working, there's no potholes, 
there's no problems. You know, the government, nah, you know, nah, they've got problems there, but okay. But for the most part, you meet people that don't need God, it seems. But if I believe that every person I encounter needs to know God, that means that when I encounter with my wife, I know that she needs to know more of God. And she believes that I need to know more of God. And we are encouraging one another. And she's challenging me and we're growing together. That friend, that family member, that colleague, that person you come into contact with, if you and I believe that they are beyond saving, then they're not going to be saved. But when we interact with them, God has placed you there for a reason. Too many of us think, oh, thank God I'm working in a Christian, you know, company. There's just Christians around here. Friends, if we want to see this city transform, we need to reach at least between 5 and 10% of the people. That's how you change the city. Clarksthorpe area, just here, it's 450,000 people. That's 45,000 people. We are around 450 people in the room here today. The math buffs, I don't know. How many, what's the percentage is looking like? I don't think that good. We need to reach out. We need to seek and save the lost. And so we need to, we need to show our faith and we need to share our faith. And so I want to encourage us, friends. If you've been following Jesus, I hope you're not hearing another thing of like, yeah, I must try, I must try harder. But I'm hoping that you're hearing that God is inviting you and me on a great adventure. An adventure that says, can you see life's transformed right before your eyes? Can you see that friend, that colleague, that family member? I, I, I remember, yo, friends, I'm getting emotional now just thinking about it. I remember being a teenager, my, my home life, grew up in a Christian home, my parents are beautiful people, but they had some struggles. They would admit that. And I remember my brother and I really having a, a, a powerful encounter with God and coming back. And my dad's words were, it was like two light bulbs had walked into our house. And the transformation they saw in our lives and our renewed fervor and desire to know Jesus began to stir in their lives that a year later my parents got saved as well and it changed my whole family dynamic my sister till, till today says she grew up in a different home to, to what we grew up in because she's quite a bit younger than I am that's the transformation that happens when we let our light shine friends when we allow the work of God to permeate our lives and God can do that for you. He will do that for those around you because we don't do this in our own strength. We ask on a daily basis, Holy Spirit, empower us. Empower us that we would be witnesses, Lord. Empower us that this world that's dead and dying would come to know you. Because the last time I checked, friends, when we fully devoted followers of Jesus, our lives are different. We don't necessarily are exempt from struggles and pain, I experienced that, you experienced that. That's a reality of life. But the way we deal with those things and how we carry ourselves through the storms is so, so different. Can I ask us to stand together? I'm also going to ask the music team to come up. I just want to pray for us for a moment. I just want to even encourage those of you that are watching, if you, if you need to reach out for some prayer, you're welcome to just comment in the comment section and we'd love to just be able to partner with you there. But some of you today, you are here and you know that you've been far from God. I've been sharing with you about this life, this light permeating your life, and you, you, you know that you're not close to Jesus. I want to encourage you to take this, a bold step. 
Just like you may need, many of us need boldness to proclaim, many of us at a starting point, we need boldness to come to faith. And I, I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. To just as we, as we um, respond now, to, to make your way to the front. Because I'd love to pray with you. If you came here today and you know that your relationship with God isn't where it needs to be, and you want to, maybe you're the lost coin, and you realize, man, I didn't know I was lost, and I realized that hearing Jesus, His love and grace is available to me. I need saving. I need to be found. Maybe you're the sheep, and you, you know you're lost, but you don't know where Jesus is here. He's the shepherd. He's willing to invite you. And maybe you're here, and you've been saved before. You've been in the Father's house, but you've drifted away. And you need to come back to the Father. I want to encourage you. If that's any of, of you, can I ask you to come to the front as we pray with you? As those people begin to make their way, I want to ask you, you know what you need. You know what God has been stirring in your heart. Maybe there's some of those five things I shared with you that you realize, I'm missing the step there. I should do this a bit more. I have this opportunity. I have this platform. I'm not going to let it slip away any longer. Can I ask you just to engage with, with God as we, we respond? So if you need prayer, if you want to respond, you're welcome to come to the front. Let's worship our King together. Thank you. Thank you for these beautiful people coming forward.